Hi, Nate. Hey, Tom. Do you know the difference between European heaven and European hell? Hmm. I don't know. A lot of directions you can take this one, but I don't think I'm qualified to say. In European heaven, all the cooks are Italian, all the cops are English, all the lovers are French, and everything's run by the Germans. In European hell, all the cooks are British. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough of a change. All the lovers are German. (laughs) All the cops are French. And everything's run by the Italians. Seems valid. We're going to talk about some of our European friends of the pod today once we get into the AI alliance. But I think generally today, welcome to the retort, yada, yada, yada. We're going to talk about the AI Alliance and the newest strength of arms in open source vibes. Mistral, a member of the Alliance. Um, maybe the EU AI Act, because that was impacted by Mistral. We're just going down this. It's like a freaking domino here. It's a meme where it's like Mistral releases a torrent link and then you have something else. Um, the advent of ML models and probably Gemini with some maybe personal touches to wrap that up. No promises on the specific order. I think the AI Alliance and open source vibes is probably the right place to start. So for Tom and the listeners, this group, I don't know what to call it, organization that has no governance structure. It's run by IBM and it's a collection of people that are like broadly interested in advancing open source AI. What's interesting is that there's everything from like the mass open cloud alliance, yes, talking about Massachusetts, to CERN in Switzerland, and like old school things like the Red Hat enterprise for Linux. Some of the hottest up and coming startups some of the oldest tech companies that are probably trying to gain relevance again. The Cleveland Clinic, the list goes on. Um, They're broadly joining to advance open source AI uh, in like, sounds good on the surface, but like, can we all actually do something with this? Like what is gonna happen with this? Like who's gonna take charge of this group of people is my biggest question. Like. It's just the biggest open source vibesy thing, and we need to tell a good story in open the open. But I still find it so funny. <laughs> Not to call them out, but why is the Cleveland Clinic involved? <laughs> I don't know. Is that because they, they wanted do... to be? I think that literally, this just like word got around that you could sign this if you wanted to. It's like the open letters, but for institutions. Somehow AI2 didn't end up on the list, which like I'm investigating. This is my employer. But maybe it's maybe there's secretly some signal there we could put on our conspiracy theory hats, but like what does this mean? Were they like, oh, we already do open heart surgery and we're really good <laughs> at that. 
maybe we could do open source AI. And the Cleveland Clinic is a very reputable health organization for research. So like, uh, like they probably are doing ML research. So that's probably why. I mean, if you look at the whole list, like I, I, I would call out the Massachusetts Open Cloud Alliance more than the <laughs> Cleveland Clinic. Like, can any readers that are a member of the state of Massachusetts Cloud, Cloud Alliance please chime in? We'll have you on the pod. But yeah, I dug a little bit deeper and I, by asking a couple of friends and I was like, does this mean anything? I was really sussed out by the fact that IBM is running this whole thing because there's kind of two tribes within open source ML right now. There's like the accelerationists that all bow down to Mark Andreessen. We discussed this. And then there's like the open scientist people, which I'm kind of a part of, but I kind of have to mm. go both ways and join the accelerationists when I need to, or join the AGI people when I need to. And so it's like, <laughs> I asked and I was concerned about IBM running it essentially, as I was saying, getting mm. back on track and, then I was like, there's no governance structure and there's currently no plans for doing anything, which made me think maybe it's good to not be involved in this right now. Let it let it settle out. Join once they get their compute resources figured out. Hijack a bunch of GPUs and go off into the sunset. Any comments? What came to mind as you were speaking was this classic video, maybe originally I saw it on Twitter, I forget, of the Foopy robot. Remember this, right? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't introduced Foopy to the pod yet, but it's very much like in scope. Foopy's going to go in the show notes. (laughs) So Foopy, the reason I thought of it, it was when you mentioned the Massachusetts uh, partner, because I believe Foopy is more upstate New York. Yeah, it's from it Albany. The, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's from the, the RL research group in Albany, New York, that was, I believe, <laughs> proud to join the AI discourse with their new agent, Foopy, which they've trained. <laughs> Essentially, it's trained, a, you'll yeah. see in the video, if you're listening to this, we'll, we'll share a link, but it is the most realistic humanoid robot that you will come across in your time. The Uncanny Valley has been optimized. We have solved the Uncanny Valley. And it's great. You've got to watch it. It's great. His fondness for peanut butter is always what what gets me (laughs) when I watch it. You know, everybody's got got something for Fruit Beats peanut butter. For us, it's open source, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're in the advent of models right now. This is the thing that I was going to tell you, which is we're literally at like one major model a day. So recap for people. I don't even have the energy to put all these links in the description. Um, Recap, last week we had Gemini. Um, big, small, and tiny, essentially. Great model. We'll talk maybe about this a little bit later. Friday, we had the Mistral Torrent link. We'll revisit this once I list off all the models. Monday, we had someone called like Desi LM that released a language mm-hmm. model as 7 billion parameters as on paper better than the Mistral 7 billion parameter model that everyone's been going crazy about. And then today, some weird consortium of Someone, I don't remember the organization, sorry, um, released a 10.7 billion parameter model that's better than Llama 2 13B. It's like every day there's meaningful things. There's another organization that is doing like what Pythia did, which was release data, training code, model checkpoints, and everything in between for models. So they released a whole suite of models. 
all this like happened every day. Like there was something today. I forgot to say which one was today, but like, this is nuts. Like <laughs> it's all because NeurIPS is happening and the ML yeah, community it's, loves it's, to like stoke their own fire. Last year we had ChatGPT released on NeurIPS. This year we've got a bunch of like small models that matter, but six months from now people won't be using. It's like, holy cow. I feel like where we are with this, this is another free associative vibe that I have right now. Did you ever watch Dragon Ball Z growing up? No, but I have a striking image for it in my brain. <laughs> that's that's funny. It's um a key sort of world building thing with Dragon Ball Z is that you know people fight with like Kai energy and they can shoot energy beams at each other and whatnot and they can fly and stuff. But it, it all depends. It all depends on what your power level is. So so. <laughs> So they had these these scouter devices, which were like kind of iconic, or at least they are for me, which like they like fit over it almost looked like Google Glass in a funny sort of a way. But you like have them over one of your eyes. And when you like are looking at someone and they're like charging up or they're doing something that's intensive, it like shows like a number and it's like, oh, his power level is, you know, like seven hundred. And that, whoa, you know, but then like the show, there's this power creep and it's just like the, it's just becomes exponential. So it just becomes a joke because like, <laughs> you know, like just next season, the power, the average power level is like a million and you're considered like weak if you're, <laughs> and then like, and then it gets ridiculous because then like different like enemies or like the arch nemesis for the season, they'll have like different forms. So there's a meme where one of the, one of these people freezes like this isn't even my final form because <laughs> they oh, measure yeah, I've seen that they thing. measure freezes power level and it's like I don't know it's like four million and then freezes like this isn't even <laughs> and so it's just at a certain point it it is kind of you get lost in the heatiness of power levels but then like you just lose patience because I mean, the like, power levels just... are also like sizes at this point which is like part of the Mister yeah. release is they announced let me get my accent right the platform. Oh, they renounced their platform and they made it the platform, which is like the French version, of course. And they like backcasted all of these names onto the models. So like the model that everyone uh, was excited about for months, like this Mistral 7B model is now Mistral yeah. Tiny and then Mixtral. So M-I-X-T-R-L is their mixture of experts model. And they're like, this is Mixtral Small. And then they teased Mixtral, Mixtral Medium with like, we trained a model but you can't use it yet. And it's just like, they can't decide to go with tiny, small, medium for these large language yeah. models. And it's like, in three years, these will all just be like, what are they going to like add? <laughs> They're going to have to keep coming up with bigger and bigger names. Like, the naming convention in the literature goes like, it's like GPT-2, GPT-2XL, GPT-XXL. And like GPT-XXL is actually the one that people used. It's like the, the full-size one. It's, it's so funny. This is literally Dragon Ball Z again. Because then like there are certain like power moves you can use. There was this one Kaokan that Goku learns. But then it's like, oh, but he can do Kaokan times five, right? Or Kaokan <laughs> times ten. <laughs> so it's just like... These, like, you just find these different, like, hockey stick power curves, like, just, and then they, and then, like, you zoom in and there's other ones and it just becomes ridiculous. Anyway, the reason there's, like, a new model every day now, it, it, it reminds me of, like, because, like, another key plot point of that series is, like, the annual, I think it's annual tournament 
of all the Earth's strongest fighters. And the implication is that, like, they've spent the previous year in isolation training themselves and developing, like, some new technique. And so whenever the tournament happens, it's like, <laughs> so oh, Nerbs my God. is the great model tournament. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the DBZ tournament of AI is what, is what Nerps is right now. Even I was getting texts. I'm not there, but they were like, oh, you, you were invited to the happy hour. And I was like, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm like, not in New Orleans. Not there. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Like, <laughs> one of the other funny things happening, oh, I'm going to out them. Um, supposedly there was a secretive AI safety dinner arranged by Ilias Sutskever from OpenAI that was inviting alignment researchers. So in my circles, there was a whole bunch of text flurries about Oh, did you get invited? Did you get invited? And bro, it turns out none of us got invited. The whole thing that started the circle of when anyone invited in our like MRLHF researcher circle was somebody texting and being like, are, should, are you going to go to this? It was like, should I go? And I interpreted the should I go as yes, I got invited. And then I circled back later and I was like, bro, you're the only one that got invited to this. And I was like, oh, I was just asking the hypothetical. I was like, sick. <laughs> like, it's just another AGI brainwashed event was none of the reasonable researchers not an open AI and Anthropic that I know didn't get invited. It's like, uh, it's just, just classic. ML is a, it's like, I don't think gossipy is the right word, but like, how would you describe like the high school girl friend circle? Clicky? I would describe it. Yeah. I would describe it as it's actually very much like the movie, the favorite that came out a few years ago where like Emma Stone plays the like, um, like sex buddy of the like queen. This, this like got a bunch of awards. It's actually really good. It's like a dark comedy and it's set in like, oh, I'm going to mess this up. I think it's like 18th century. Uh, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but, it, but all the dialogue and all of the, um, it's like hyper modern. And again, it's all like, again, this is the way European courts worked was it's like you're either in danger of being killed in your sleep or you're expected to like have some kind of bizarre psycho incestuous relationship with the, with the monarch uh, that's either consummated or not. And like the movie is a really it, it's a great depiction of just how twisted the psychology of that is. And it's a reminder of like, this is the reason there was a French revolution. People got so fed up <laughs> with these kinds of interpersonal squabbles and, and tensions that they were like, we'd rather have nothing than anything, <laughs> anything like this. And it's, um, they didn't yeah, have real I, capitalism yet. We have real capitalism, which makes it so Google can't delete yeah. Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, be the equivalent. <laughs> interesting way to put it. It's interesting how Yes, it's like it's like if Mean Girls also was like just set in the AI universe, I guess somehow. Like what are the tables in that movie? Like the plastics and then there's like these like, my wife isn't here or she would shoot instantly. <laughs> She's like memorized that movie. But yeah, it's like all these little clicks and circles and I think it's something I mean truly I, I'm beginning, it, it used to bother me and I honestly just find it just amusing because I just, it's very amusing. It's a bunch of rich people be, that don't really appreciate the fact that they're rich and there's so much money flowing into their area 
that they can really just kind of like walk into whatever doors that they want and collect a big wad of cash for like doing normal stuff for them. And yet they're um, my favorite meme. Yet they're not serious people. So I favor I bring this up maybe like every week, whether or not it's on the pod or yeah, not. Yeah. But it's like the Logan Roy in the secession. The last thing that he says to his kids is, "I love you, but you're not serious people." It's like I apply that, see that in my life as an AI researcher so much. If people just thought about what they're doing, it would be appreciated. I have generosity of spirit here. I like my collaborators. I I think that these are, I mean, these are brilliant people, but they're also not very serious people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love these people. It's just happening these are people who are solving intelligence and they spend hours a day texting each other about whether or not so-and-so is going to the party being thrown by so-and-so. And it, it gives you pause. It gives me pause. Another thing that these people are doing is instead of uploading the artifact that they spent months building directly to the website designed to host their artifacts and the community expectation of them, is to hugging face is what I'm hinting at. They upload a torrent link. And at a technical level, maybe there is some weird distribution thing that torrent networks are faster on. But why do y'all update a tor- upload a torrent link on Friday and then upload the model to hugging face on Monday? Like it's entertaining, sure. But surely like eventually you have to like do real things and not just be entertaining because i think eventually like what if somebody like they better have a damn secure uh twitter handle because now if they have been hacked and someone tweets a torrent link which like very prominent people got hacked like yon lacoon got hacked earlier this year and started doing this stuff like a lot of people are just going to download this link of a torrent and just f themselves up which the whole reason is like there's just no reason for it other than it's being funny so like Maybe I'm a boring person. Maybe I'm taking the be a serious person too far. But it's just like, why Why are you uploading this effectively $10 to $100 million artifact as the first contacts that people will have via the Torrent Network? Like, it's just bizarre. Speaking of releasing things in a premature fashion uh, and not going through the appropriate channels to do so, the AI Act was adopted. Well, you got a carve out for open source, which is the other Mr. Angle. So you don't care about yeah. torrents. They like added a carve. Did you see this? That they added a carve out that's like most of our restrictions don't apply if the weights are available openly. Just like some reverse like mm. no card lobbying action there, where like <laughs> all the gunpowder of the yeah. of the big tech giants, all that like free powder that they used like they just bombarded them early in the process but that you didn't die and now it's like they're regenerating power but they don't have any more guns to play so like the open source people like just pokes them and they're like oh okay and it's just like just totally ridiculous i mean it it supports my worldview a little bit but like so surprising (laughs) the issue is we're in like wily coyote mode right now in ai where we're moving so fast, we're chasing the shiny object, which in this case would be the Roadrunner, I guess, which is probably scale, or even something really dumb, like just parameters. <laughs> and 
Well, that's what the UAE did. The UAE wanted to release the model with the most parameters, but then China came around and China just bashed them by releasing the bigger models. But no one talks about this. China in with the clutch. So we're looking over the abyss. We look down. We look down. We see there's actually nothing underneath us. And then we look at the camera and then hold up a sign saying, like, uh oh. (laughs) Maybe it says open source or something. Start falling. Yeah, there's just no... um, It's actually genuinely fascinating and it's kind of exciting to me how there's truly no ground. There's no... It's funny, we talk about foundation models. There's no foundation for policy right now. There's no foundation for even what constitutes... If we were a legit podcast, I would have one of those sound boards where I could push a button and it would say the (laughs) Jatendramalik sentence, the four words like, there are floating castles in the sky. (laughs) I have a sound clip. We should be. We should have like that shock jock energy where we have like sound effects, and I'm like, I'm like ringing cymbals or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I told this to Nate before we started. Uh, before we started this, I gave blood earlier today, so I'm especially loopy. But like the other image that came into my head for if if we have any Twin Peaks fans listening to this podcast in the in the season three Twin Peaks: The Return that came out, one of the characters, Doctor Jacoby it turns out for the last 30 years has turned into like a completely like, like crackpot podcast, like, like maker where he's like <laughs> complaining every week about, I think every night, actually, he has like a three hour episode every night. We just complains about capitalism and, and the need, as he says, quote, for all of us to shovel ourselves out of the shit <laughs> as this like gesture with a shovel and he's like selling shovels on the backside. So yeah, we, that's actually our reality in AI, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, where I'm it's going all cyclic, too. It's like the vibes are strong. When you said the giving blood thing, the thing that jumped into my mind is like, okay, we've got our next we got our next prompt. We start with think step by step. We Then we got um, take a deep breath. Then we got I'm going to tip you if you do well. But the thing is that the open AI models are still like behaving in weird ways. This is a real thing where like, People are now starting to see in the OpenAI models that instead of filling in the code, it looks like a code exercise. So it says like your code here. <laughs> and, and, and next we're going to have, you just gave blood. Throw me some random <laughs> shit out of, like write some random code. I, I want a high entropy. And then it's going to all, we're just going to like wrap our, these in vogue prompts are just going to come and go every day. But that is probably another jailbreak that people haven't tried, which is like, your, or people have tried it in different ways, but now, now I wish we were live chat GPTing. No, <laughs> I'll try that one later. We, I'll get back. We to can you. Ex- we can experiment on that later. Yeah, it's it does seem like the f- I'm asking myself now what it will even look like for the fever to break. I do think the fever has to break, but it hasn't yet, <laughs> and um, it's been. Now over a year since ChatGPT, and it's actually astonishing. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, this is not. We'll probably do one more episode at least before the end of the year, I think. So it's not quite the full year in review, but like it's it's truly astonishing how um, it feels like a fever pitch right now. But this whole year has been a fever pitch. It's actually insane the amount of energy it takes to even follow, even if you tried all these developments. I, I have a you, great anecdote on this one. I, I, as someone who follows, 
I've been worried about Twitter dying because I won't be able to get the signal to like write my blog posts and keep this thing that I'm very committed to going. So I asked one of my friends that's part of a popular newsletter and I asked him like, what's your plan if Twitter goes away? And he said something much funnier than I'm remembering. I'm pulling it up, but it's just like, essentially his answer was like, we cry. <laughs> like we can't it's like we can't do it. like it, it just stops like the dance stops for a few weeks which is the has to be in line with the how bizarre this hysteria is it's like the information is processed via twitter and that it dramatically improves the rate by which everything is going yet everyone calls like there's this hilarious verge piece of art on mm. the year twitter died that came out it's like bringing word art mm. back into news reporting. It's a giant meme. But it still plays this pivotal role, and its role is kind of endemic to what it has been like for the whole year. Twitter has definitely made things worse. You know, there's always this chicken versus egg question, right? Um, what is causing the hype? Where does it start? Um, is it the people? Is it the platform? Is it the people on the platform? Is it the effects of the platform on the people on the platform? And it's interesting. I guess in our in our previous episode, we were talking about like cycles and circularity and computer science and how certain ideas keep kind of returning uh, on a certain time lag. I do feel like there's something specifically toxic about the way that the academic culture and maybe even certain disciplines in academia have a kind of affinity with the feedback mechanisms of Twitter, uh, where there's a kind of hunger for instant gratification, but also near instant validation and, and deference. You know, some disciplines aren't really structured like that, but apparently computer science is, <laughs> or at least the, at least the AI part of it. Yeah, it is. Which is interesting. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is I wonder, like, the potential for that maybe predates social media. It, it maybe was even baked in from decades ago that there's something about the way the discipline consecrates itself or lifts up certain voices that has just spun out of control due, due to Twitter, but the potential was always there. So I suspect that if we're engaging this hypothetical right now, of like, what if Twitter actually did implode? What would happen? I, I'm not sure the toxicity really would go away because the, the damage has maybe been done by this point in part. And also because, yeah, I think that we'd have to change the incentives that certain communities already placed on themselves as part of the price of entry of being in that community, right? It's sort of like to be a member of that community you buy in not just to a certain set of ideas and assumptions and methods, but you implicitly buy into the criteria by which debates are had and resolved. And that's actually largely not conscious uh, for any discipline. But I think we're, we're really just kind of through a mirror darkly experiencing that when we're engaging on Twitter. I mean, just the fact, like, who cares as a new model? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> obviously well, you, you care some people yes care. i know some people i know I a lot of care. people care i actually a lot of people care, care. Yeah. i find it interesting i find i want i want to know what that what has what is like procedurally used to generate this model or like 
what a model represents and a trend of like what is best practices. But any specific model, I don't really care. I am kind of a model Luddite. I use ChatGPT. <laughs> like, like I use the OpenAI API to generate images. Like, I'm not out there. I'm, I'm a Luddite. I use ChatGPT. I'm not out there like line. loading some random quantized model onto my MacBook to try to understand how many tokens per second it gets and setting up a local code assistant. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not that good at coding. Like, like I get mm -hmm. the job done. Uh, like, there are a lot of people doing that though, and like trying to figure out what gives them a product edge and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are the people that will be saddest if Twitter goes away, which is pretty funny. It's like, okay. <laughs> it makes me wonder. Well, I guess to return to the AI Alliance zeitgeisty type situation, but you connected it to Mistral and these other like, where there, there still is no consensus over what open source means, as I understand it. People, uh, maybe that's people have stopped calling models open source, and now everyone just says open weights, and people aren't as angry about it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. There's an acceptance of only like two people in the world actually doing any open source language modeling. Okay. Seems better. At least it's honest. That's good if it's shifted in that direction. Um, I feel like there still needs to be, I mean, obviously I'm preaching to the choir by saying this to you, but there does need to be a, a deeper excavation of what kinds of openness matter. And it's not just about weights. It's interesting that the legislative, the AI act, I guess, is conditioning itself in many ways on that kind of transparency. Um, because again, I think we've also brought up this tension before between transparency and accountability. It might turn out that the most interesting norms for open source are more about accountability than they are about transparency. Because open source as a research community, as I understand it, has always had this like spirit of accountability baked into it where there is a commitment that one researcher, regardless of whatever, whatever they happen to have shared at a given moment in time, the commitment is also, I'm going to act in good faith. And if more is requested or more context is desired for why I set this up in the way that I did, I will also, you can trust that I will provide that upon request if the request is reasonable. Like that's a, there's a reciprocity there that's a very important norm and probably generally a very good norm. I'm, I'm trying to think of cases where I think that norm would be bad <laughs> and uh, none are coming to mind for me right now. But it's actually interesting how I feel like that kind of reciprocity is not present in very many of these discussions. It's more like a, yeah, uh, taking your cues from what you think other people think are cues worth taking <laughs> kind of thing, which is not grounded in anything. I just think it's all being redefined. Like, has any, like, historically, has anyone actually made a lot of money on open source software? I don't think so. Not uh, like, that I know of. There's a lot of money to be made in machine learning. So if there were things that were previous done as open source principles, there's now great reason for people to no longer follow said principles mm -hmm. to, to actually have mm -hmm. some defensible business. That was kind of what I, it's kind <laughs> it's of a funny. cynical take. It seems well, simple enough. As I like to say, it's not cynical if it's right. Then it's just reality. Then you're just acknowledging reality. And you might 
be just re acknowledging reality. My joke, I was going to say, Wikipedia raises some money. <laughs> it's a, I donate $3.10 every month. It was nice. their minimum oh, every month. donation. Yeah, it's recurring. Good, good I, for I you. feel bad, but I feel like I should donate more money to things that I care about. Like, like what am I, a relatively high-income person peddling, like, $10 a month of donations to Wikipedia and Signal? It's like, okay. Like, uh, this is like one coffee. It's like, like, am I virtue signaling myself? <laughs> like, oh, I donate. I'm okay. But I don't know. I understand that money is a motivator. I mean, obviously it is for me. <laughs> Uh, I get it. I understand it. Uh, Wikipedia is an interesting case. There was a major controversy early in Wikipedia's development. Uh, I'm going to mess up the timeline, so I apologize if anybody listening is like really up on this in a way that I'm not. I want to say it was maybe 2002 or something like that, when it wasn't clear if Wikipedia was going to be nonprofit or not. And it wasn't really clear like what, like what would it mean to grow this community and like set up this free encyclopedia, like... Maybe it's free, but there are ads, I think, was the big kind of question. And this decision was made very early on, um, partly, I think, because of the weight of the community behind it, to keep it ad-free. And that was... It's, think about how different Wikipedia would be today, 20 years later, if, that, if a different decision had been made. Because think about that, right? What, what I think would have happened is obviously not just that there would have been ads on Wikipedia... I think the Wikipedia just would have sucked. It would have just been a place where you would never go, you'd never want to spend time. So the irony, actually, 20 years later, is that Wikipedia probably raises more money as a nonprofit than it would have if it had tried to monetize something and then grow a community based on that. Because we would have lost patience with it. It just would have turned into a shitty uh, ecosystem I'd like of knowledge creation. I like the argument, but I'm also like, like I acknowledge how much money people can make on ads. I'm going to stick with it. I think it's fun. I wonder if there's any analogies to what's going on today. You're going to stick I, with Wikipedia, you mean? Be, and your idea that Wikipedia makes more money as a nonprofit. What if I mean, it's Hugging very... Face should be a nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> what if Hugging Face will make more money being a nonprofit and collecting donations from all the top ML companies than it would in revenue? That's a that's oh, a that is just infernal take. <laughs> <laughs> that's infernal. That's like seventh circle of line. hell. I have money yeah. on the line to be wrong on this take. <laughs> yeah, that's something that yeah, that would be the the nuclear bomb of like. Hugging Face should take a lesson from Jimmy Wales and and become a if if what it really wants to do is not just be good but to make money doing it it should become <laughs> a non a nonprofit oh that's you hilarious come, come to the retort for the investment advice man I um, believe that I'm just gonna that's probably true twenty years out twenty twenty years out on imagine mean, Hugging Face twenty years on ago. the mean maybe because most startups die but in the high end which the VCs are incentivized to encourage, Hugging Face can yeah. make billions more, like a multiples more. more based on their position in a high-value market. Speaking of yeah. sad outcomes, do you want to talk about Gemini? Did you watch the Gemini demo, the, the controversial one? I watched parts of it. but we, yeah, I we thought the demo was great. I eventually respond okay so the demo is essentially this like real time person's hand interacting and talking to the model and it's responding and it's great ha 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 turns out it's fake 
it's vague in a way that they prompted the model beforehand and the prompts shown in the video are different than the prompts in reality. There's two major points here. One is that these demos are going to be real and it's cool. Like this is obviously what the future will be like. Like you just have a language model over your shoulder talking to it on your screen, looking at your screen and actually providing really useful feedback. But the other like very critical, like the proper critique of the AI industry is that um, stage demos are a pre-ChatGPT vibe. Um, and essentially it's like, de- they, they need to show what it is like in real time. Um, people now expect computers to be slow again because you're running a 500 billion parameter language model and all, and all of this stuff. And it's like the reality feel, like you just need to operate in reality as a leading AI company. Rather um, than there's some ground in our rather than a reality distortion field. Yeah. There's some grounds to further develop this, but I was sad because I like, like I understand the message of the demo. So it's sad to see Google get so much flack, but Google really has bungled it. Like they've not done one good AI keynote. The model Gemini as a model seems fantastic. I think it's an extremely strong model. So all the researchers did their job. It's just like the people that actually figure out how to present this, like, Google's got to go to bat. <laughs> got to square up with Microsoft. I wonder if a lot of it, you know, because we already brought up the kind of Steve Jobs history here, right? Of like the master of presenting. I mean, not just a demo, but a vision with the demo that people, most people f- trusted. And and that was the root of his, I mean, his charisma, his vision was that you trusted in his ability to narrate a product at the same time he showed it to you that felt transformative as you were watching it. It's really hard even now, like what would that even mean for generative AI when we don't really know what the limits of many of these models are, what capabilities they have or don't. Um, They're often janky. I mean, this is also, this is an emerging genre, right? China had, this was several months ago, I think, when they were trying to copy ChatGPT, they had these like janky demos of of whatever it was, like whatever company it was was building it, and they got flagged for that. Talk so GPT. it's like, yeah, I mean, and then of course Sam Altman thought he did a pretty good job with his his little thing, and we talked about that. But then look what happened to him, <laughs> like a week later. So CEO it's, it's of just the year. Very, we still got time, CEO of the year. Yeah, we're all we're all rooting for you, Sam. Let's let's bring it home. You, you, <laughs> friend of the pod, right? <laughs> friend. <laughs> He's a friend of he capitalism. Gonna I guess, so. We were going to have him on the pod that week, and then he had some. Yeah, I'm going to confront him about that that story that I was told in that cafe. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we should get him to say actually what his number is for what he can bench press, and then like call him out on his shit, and like actually make him do it live. Okay, do it then, Sam. <laughs> to, oh, to yeah. Remember. <laughs> Oh gosh, probably benchmark. Well, I... Did you see um, Microsoft? We, you've talked about benchmarks, but what what can you bench press? <laughs> oh my that's, gosh, that's... <laughs> this is a killer ML tweet. Someone tweet this. Um, everyone's talking about these benchmarks, but you all got to bench press. Oh man, um, Microsoft at least is trying to bench press. For the record, um, I'll explain. Like, did did you see this fact? Like a week out, a few days after. Gemini came out and Gemini Ultra has like the highest MMLU benchmark, which is a relatively hard benchmark to game. And they 
uh, like a few days yeah. later, a Microsoft plot came out and it was like, we beat it with this complicated prompting technique. Did you see this? Mm -hmm. I, I saw it somewhere. Yeah. Did you uh, immediately jump to the scientific conclusion of what happens if they prompt GPT-4 like this? Or if yeah. they prompt Gemini like this, because they're doing, they're like comparing GPT four with fancy techniques to Gemini out of Gemini's number in the report, and it's like, would you have thunk that you need to prompt Gemini the same way as you prompt GPT four? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not scientific. And I went, I wrote a post about this because I wanted to make a meme about it. I, I made the meme, and then the, the the way you do blogging is you start with the meme and then you write the post because the meme is the most important part. But essentially, like this is from a paper announced two weeks earlier on like studying the general AI capabilities of GPT-4 in medicine. And then the, it was posted by the chief science officer, Eric Horwitz, Horvitz, who's pretty, he's very reputable at Microsoft. I met him. Which is, yeah. which is like the, pro, the blog post was like the power of prompting, which was also before Gemini. And then the Gemini paper came out and then Microsoft released a second blog post that was like further studies on the power of prompting, which is where this figure came from comparing Gemini to GPT-4 because it wasn't in the paper. It's like nominally a blog post about a paper, which is why everyone's talking about MedPrompter. But like that figure's not in the paper. It's mm. literally just an add-on to be like, we're doing the score dick measuring contest of big tech company games. And it's just like, who decides that these things are good? It's just silly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I was, I was just reflecting, talking about demos. The alchemists were famous in, <laughs> in late medieval Europe for giving demos. And that was actually how they won their credibility. So like there's a famous example of this. I believe it was Robert Boyle. Who, you know, great was, name for an alchemist. Holy cow. <laughs> B-O-Y-L-E, I believe is how you how you spell that. He, I believe, is most famous for the ideal gas law. And like he did a lot of studies of, you know, how it is you can understand fluids and gases under pressure. And he did important early experiments and got important experimental results along those lines. And, you know, he gave presentations, as you do, to the Royal Society of like, hey, I found this thing, I found that thing. And people were like, sure you did, Robert. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, you, you, that's just your opinion, right? And he was like, no, but you know what I can do is I've conquered error. Let me show you what I can do. And so what he did, he took um, a sphere, I think it was a wooden sphere, and he had two halves of it, put them together. And he like sucked almost all of the air out of the sphere. You know, he kind of like, he, he constructed a kind of artificial vacuum. And then he hooked up two, I don't know why I'm remembering this right now, but I'm pretty sure this is true. <laughs> he hooked up two horses to pull the sphere in opposite directions. Like, like and he, they were like whipping these horses, like really like, the, <laughs> like talk about horsepower. These things were like, you know, braying and shit. And like, he, like in front of the Royal Society, he was like, look, look at this. They can't, they can't do it. They can't break it. Look at what I've done. And so the horses like collapse out of exhaustion after several minutes of trying to split this thing apart. And then he like unhooks it. And then he's like holding it. And then like he holds, and I don't know why I know this, but he held it behind him. And he was like, I am now introducing air <laughs> but through my special method. But it was really just that there was like a hinge on it. 
so you like just could move it so like it just opened the vacuum so nominally so he reduced the volume and the pressure well the pressure went yeah. up went down and so like reduced the volume so it's not he's like while while he's presenting this he's like and this is how vacuums work and this is yada 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 and then like while the air is like you know returning to the inside of this and he takes it up back out in front of him and then just effortlessly he's like foom <laughs> It just comes apart. Everybody claps. Everyone's like, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. That was amazing. Because <laughs> he, he demonstrated uh, this experimental result in real time. And people could people got intuition for how transformative that was. You could immediately imagine all sorts of applications for it. And, you know, so there was there was stagecraft to it. You know, he was he had to be almost as much a magician and a storyteller as he was a scientist. But I think the power of that example is that he was able to, in his case, he was able to combine the analytical resources of science with the demonstrative powers of storytelling. And in this case, the kind of even kind of cartoonish nature of having two two horses work themselves to exhaustion to pull a sphere in part when all he has to do is move a little notch and that just comes undone, like just naturally. And that really, that was his reputation. Like that that's what built his... His, uh, his 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 own sense of charisma and his own sense of of being a prominent member of in that case I guess the Royal Society and and from what I understand he did this in front of royal courts as well this is sort of in the genre of like the you know the automaton chess machine uh, that would like go around European circuits where it's like oh look at this automaton it's better at chess than you and that's really just because they they got like a very 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 small person who is really really good at chess <laughs> to be inside of it like moving around the the arms the, of the automaton. What the heck? Yeah. Where what is going on over here? Um, I have an announcement. We're gonna try to live on the pod watch Foopy. <laughs> Let's see if this works. Um, I've set this up while you were ranting about alchemy. Um, the question is if this will show up in the recording. But now you might see an mm. um what's like, I don't know if you're like your question. I'm not getting sound. I can see it, but I'm not getting sound. Oh, you can hear it. Echo cancellation going in. But you know, people just get a glimpse of this. It's poopy. <laughs> we should get the person who played Foopy on the pod. Yeah, we should get Foopy on the pod. Because I'm watching him and I'm realizing this he's so good at doing it that he's either a mime. Or he spent five years actually doing RL. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, this has been good. It's a little teaser. Do you want to mention Godzilla? I don't know if people are going to be able to see Foopy. I hope they if anybody, <laughs> If anybody's still listening, talk about... Okay, I can tie it into the discussion. Okay. We're talking about, okay, size. Size is everything. More parameters, more scale. When the when the when the first American Godzilla movie came out in ninety eight, they made Godzilla like way big. And then when they redid it with the twenty fourteen American Godzilla movie, they're like, sure the Japanese Godzilla, he's fifty meters. Our Godzilla, hundred and fifty meters. Look at how fucking big our Godzilla is. He's amazing. And people saw the movie and they're like, eh, I mean it's fine. It's it's not it's not very realistic. <laughs> it's not very moving. Okay, the new Godzilla movie. That just came out, Godzilla minus one. Everyone should see this movie. It's a masterpiece. Um, they returned Godzilla. He's only fifty meters in this movie, but he 
he's a badass. <laughs> it's just amazing. He just gives zero fucks and just messes up everything and anything in front of him. And it's awesome. And it's it's this kind of metaphor for PTSD and J Japan being ashamed of World War II and being ashamed of their shame of World War II. It's just awesome. Rarely watch this. Oh, I've, I've seen it twice in the theater. I mean, oh, it came out theaters. a couple weeks ago. I saw it I saw it at the Alamo Draft House downtown. I was like, I like cried like three times watching this movie. Like it's awesome. I saw it in IMAX again last night. Um, strongly recommend it. Anyway, size matters to a point, but what really matters is big dragon energy. <laughs> One of those and, two will probably be the title of the pod that you have successfully listened to. So, five stars for big dragon energy and size matters asterisk. Dragon balls. Um, dragon balls. We covered all the important topics today. I think it's pretty clear. The sun has More or set. less again over the salesforce tower prominent building my 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 north star um oh, that's this was sad. fun well <laughs> we'll we'll catch up on what happens has happened in the last week of nerps soon yeah sounds good to me any, all right any last comments che cheers everybody see this movie see godzilla and think about the future and think about AI as you watch it. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. Support artists, but fair use is coming. <laughs> Support Japanese artists. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye for now.